on 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton, and it is a real privilege right now to be chatting via the wonders of Zoom into the Broadmeadows Detention Centre at the moment to Joey Tangaloa Tuwali. How are you, Joey? Yes, good, thank you. How are you? I am doing very well indeed, and uh, I think I've got to say this is the first time I've actually uh, done an interview with somebody in a detention centre, so wonderful to be able to hear your story today, because You've got quite a remarkable one, Joey. So first of all, thanks for uh, arranging all of this and, and for the, the you know, opportunity. Yes, beautiful. Thank God for this opportunity and thank you. Uh, indeed. Joey, before we talk about some of the, the real uh, hopeful parts of your life, and we do say that even with you in the middle of a, a detention centre, we, we've got to talk about some of the darker parts of what life has been about as well. Can, can you tell us a bit about your upbringing, and then I know um, your involvement in with a number of different uh, bikey clubs as well. Okay, so my, my, my upbringing was um, we grew up in a poor family, but we never went without food, but we didn't have the material things. Uh, we went to state schools, uh, primary school, high school. Uh, parents, both parents worked hard to provide for a good education, uh, and we were a religious family. Uh, We'd go to church on Sundays. Uh, and every night there'd be uh, family uh, prayers and singing hymns, hymns and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and so this sort of environment, was this something that um, you connected in yourself or was this, well, this is what the family's doing and so therefore I'm sort of just going along with it? Well, with, with Pacific Islanders, um, it's, it's, it's number one uh, with Pacific Islanders. Uh, they put God first. And, uh, and they just, uh, it's something that's been handed down from generation to generation, you know? Yeah. So as you're growing and you sort of get into your teenage years and then the, the early 20s, um, what were some of those areas and, and choices that you started exploring in life? Uh, as I started getting into early 20s, uh, alcohol became uh, part of my life. Uh, uh, alcohol, then later on into the 20s, uh, joining certain uh, bike clubs, uh, I was the president of three different bike clubs. Wow. Um, and, uh, yeah, then drugs got involved. So there was, yeah, there was a lot of uh, drug abuse. Um, yeah, and just uh, life went crazy from there. Yeah. Now, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very much don't understand the bikey world in any way, shape or form, and not pretending to. Um, the stereotype that I often have is that, you know, when we're talking drugs, alcohol, these sorts of things that, you know, bikey clubs are, are notorious for, for having that happening for them, but also perhaps dealing and these sorts of things. Is, is that areas that you were getting involved in? Heavily involved in, yeah, different parts of, uh, you know, all, all aspects pretty much in, in that bikey world I was yeah. involved in. Yeah. yeah. So uh, as you said, you know, you're, you're president there of a, a number of different clubs. Um, what does that mean to be president? Well, it just means that you have a lot of respect from the guys. Um, you know, uh, you come down, basically boils down to you're sort of like a shot caller. You call the shots. Uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> certain things there that uh, are meant to happen, you make sure they happen, you know, whether it's good or bad, or bad, you know. Um, yeah, so basically you, you get the run of the mill, you know. You, you run the show and uh, you have a sergeant in arms um, and he's your, he's your enforcer. So, and you work your way up the ranks, you know. I worked my way up the ranks in every club I was in. Um, yeah. And what was the allure of it 
Joey, like, what? Why are you? Why? Why was that something you're going? Look, I, I'm going to go from this club to that club. What was that? Yeah, why did you want to be involved? I think it was just part of the glory of seeing uh, jewelry, um, wild parties, women, uh, money, easy money, uh, and just thinking that that was the glorious life. That was life. You know, this is this is how life is, and it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and and I suppose the question we, we're going to talk a bit about some of the change that occurred in your life later on. We, we've still even got to get to your, the, the time in prison. But um, you say that this was that desire, this glorious life, what it was. Uh, you know, I, I imagine that some would say, "Well, it actually was a lot of fun." Um, I've heard enough stories where people say, "Well, it wasn't perhaps the glorious life I was thinking." Was that your experience, or was it this glorious life? Uh, look, in the in the world of the flesh, it is the glory life, but it's not, you know, like and me today, I look back and I think, thank God I'm not dead and thank God I'm not doing 30 years in prison, mm. you know. Yeah. So so what happened? Um, as we said, we, we're speaking to you from a detention centre right now. Um, here you are, you're involved in these bikey clubs, you're, you're president, you've, you've at the same time, you know, there's drugs going around, there's all sorts of things that are happening. Um what led you to a place where you actually ended up uh, before the courts? So I had a I had a fallout with another uh, with another a member of another bike club, um, and I took the law into my own hands. Uh, basically, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to kill this guy, um, uh, but that day it didn't happen, and thank God it didn't happen. Uh, and later on, about two months later, this guy went to the authorities. He was a member of a bike club, uh, and I ended up in, in the courts. Uh, that was in 2009. 2013, uh, I get found guilty, uh, and I'm sentenced to prison for eight years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and so, you know, we're, we're almost at that eight years later now. Um, uh, have you been in prison ever since? Was there any, was there, did you appeal? How did that work? So I, I went to prison, served uh, served the eight years, just a little over eight years, and and, and that's what, that's what puts me here now in the detention centre. Yep. Uh, yeah. So that's how I, I've ended up here now. Yeah. Due to the new laws that Peter Dutton has brought out. Uh, yeah. So better explain that. So why would you go from a prison to a detention centre? Uh, explain a bit of your history, I suppose, in that regards, and why those laws impact you. So from what I believe, I came here in, when I was three months old, and uh, which was 1975. My parents uh, became citizens in 1976, the following year. I think it was Malcolm Fraser was the Prime Minister. We should have followed, uh, fallen under our parents and become citizens. Some of my siblings did, but, um, but unfortunately for me, I didn't fall under that. And that's why I've ended up here in the detention centre, where they've cancelled my permanent visa uh, due to being a serious violent offender. Mm. And so uh, we might come back and talk a bit more about that part of it uh, as we go forward, because I think that's your future. When you were in prison, maybe we just focus on a little bit of that period of time. Here you are, you found yourself at a point of, um, you know, in prison for these crimes and, and here you were there. It seemed like, all the way back to that childhood uh, where, you know, here you are, you're singing hymns uh, around the dinner table with family uh, as you go through. It didn't seem like that's exactly where you're at at that moment. Um, 
what changed for you in, in prison? Because I know that now faith and, and, and trust in Jesus is a big part of your life. So what, what changed for me in prison around uh, 2015, the Bible was handed to me. And every now and then I'd, ha- I'd have little snippets of opening it up uh, and then I'd put it away. And then a priest came to me. Uh, his name was Tavita Holani, a priest from Geelong. Uh, he was he was coming into the prison. And uh, that priest, uh, when he came and spoke to me, I rejected him. I said to him, don't waste your time. Um, I'm not interested in what you've got to say. And uh, it sort of brushed him off. Well, that same priest, one year later, I was in the slot in Barwon Prison and I was crying out, reaching out to him, asking him to pray for me. I don't know what's happening in my life, but something is happening to me and I don't know what it is. Mm. Yeah. Now, we better just explain, maybe for those who don't know what the slot means. So the slot is uh, when you're in isolation and uh, you only get uh, one hour run out, sometimes two hours. Yeah. yeah. So you're basically locked down for, for most of the day. So clearly, you know, you, you hadn't been behaving as best you could be. And so therefore you found yourself in that spot in, in the lowest of the low, really, in that regard. Yes. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. We're going to pause it there. And I know that's an awful time, an unfair time to pause it, but we're going to be back in a couple of moments time to hear what then transpired for Joey uh, after he called out after uh, here he was a year later, rejecting this uh, person who was willing to reach out to him. So he called out for God's help. What occurred next? That's on the way. We're chatting to Joey Tangelo Tuvali. I probably mucked up the name. I'm sorry, Joey. We will try and make sure we get it exactly right when we come back here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton. And I'm having a chat to Joey Tangaloa Tuvali. Uh, in fact, from Broadmeadows Detention Centre. And we've heard a bit of Joey's story already, um, getting involved in bikey clubs. In fact, was president of three of those. Um, found himself in prison for um, trying to go and, and kill a member of a, a, another bikey club, served eight years there. And uh, now uh, we'll touch on this a little bit further on because of some sort of weird quirks that have occurred in the law. He finds himself in a detention center and unsure what's going to be happening with him at the moment. So we'll be talking a bit more about that, but he's uh, giving us his time uh, from that detention center right now as well. Joey, let's talk a little bit more about what actually occurred in prison. Uh, we, we finished off just a couple of moments ago. Here you are in the slot, you're in solitary confinement, you're reaching out for a, a priest who a year earlier had said, look, I'm happy to pray with you or be with you, chat through, and you, you rejected him then. Um, and now here you are calling out to God for help. What occurred from there? So what, what basically happened to me is... Uh... Everything started to fall apart. Um, I had uh, I'd left the club as well. Um, I, I threw in the, the club. Uh, my missus had left me around that time as well. Uh, just everything was falling apart. People that I thought that, uh, that were friends for life had abandoned me as well. Uh, and certain family members too uh, just, just weren't around. Uh, so what happened there is I started to... Uh, Buried my head in the Bible, in the scriptures. And one day I bumped into a guy that he was doing 20 plus years. And he asked me, he goes, uh, what are you doing? And I said, I'm doing a bit of Bible study on my own. And he said, can I join you? So we asked the officers if he could join. And we started two of us. And it slowly, slowly grew, grew to about five of us. And then they knocked it on the head. They said, look, too many people are complaining. How do you get time out there when no one else does? Yeah. 
So, so, and, and what was the change that was happening with you as you as you were doing this Bible study? Was it was there a was there an actual change you, you could tell happening within yourself? I knew definitely that uh, every time I, I cry out to uh, to the Lord, He'd answer my prayers. So every time I opened up the Scriptures, I had my answer for what was happening in my life, uh, and uh, I could I could start to see where my life was heading, and mm. I could see that there was a calling. And I, Jesus is calling me. <laughs> yeah. Joey, some might be listening right now and go, look, I, I don't have a faith. And that doesn't make any sense to me, Joey. Here you are in prison. Uh, everybody's deserted you. And you're saying that every time you open the Bible, you go, I, I have that sort of calling. I, I know I'm, I've got a purpose. I know where I'm supposed to be in a way. Um, I mean, you can see how that sounds a bit crazy for some people, right? Yeah, I, I can understand that. But most people that know me know that I could bring people together. Uh, in this sense, uh, God was telling me, become a, a, a fisherman for men. Mm. You know, bring people, bring people, uh, wake, wake people up, open their eyes up. And this is what started to happen. And uh, I, I couldn't explain it myself. All I knew is that the Holy Spirit was working through me. Yeah, incredible. Well, I want to hear in just a couple of moments' time a bit of, of the story of how others started you know, gathering around and, and this sort of conversation continued. Um, could I ask a, a question about you and I suppose the, the internal part of you again around this idea of um, what was different inside you compared to the guy who, you know, you know, a number of years earlier was, was trying to go out and kill somebody else and intending to do that. What, what, what change had happened inside? How were you thinking and I suppose um, and acting differently? Uh, the biggest change was that uh, after losing uh, everyone, then there was a battle for my children. Uh, this made me a lot. It just woke me up to everything. That you know, um, I started to get my priorities right. It sounds funny, but priorities started to fall in place. So I'm on this journey, to, and I started to realise that even my children were a gift uh, from God. Um, that I have to put God first. So I started to put God first and continue to this day to put God first. Yeah, yeah. So this is a, a change that's happening and then it's showing out even in the middle of a prison as well. I, I know the guys at, um, you know, Christian Disciples Motorcycle Ministry are the ones who originally uh, said, hey, why don't you have a chat to Joey? I, I think this would be a great story. And and they've certainly seen the remarkable work that you have done as well. And um, tell us a bit around what actually did then then happen? Um, you're you're living this change in who you are. Um, you said there was five people originally with this Bible that got squashed on the head, but then some other things started happening. So then I go uh, out of the spot. I'm taking out the back into the uh, into the main where the the prison population is in Barwon Prison, and we start to bring a few guys to the chapel there, uh, and then they tip me to Margaret. They tip me back into the slot, so I get moved back into the slot. Uh, in the slot, I continue my faith, and that's where I end up meeting the guys from the Christian Disciples uh, Motorcycle Ministry. And then they move me from there back to Marganite Prison. So I get to Marganite Prison, and uh, I ask uh, about a church service on a Sunday, and they said, no, there's no church services on Sunday. So again, we start off with five people, and it grew from five people to about 20 the next week, 40 the week after. We ended up getting a roughly around 80 to 100 prisoners every week. That's incredible. 
Yeah. Now, now, Joey, I've cynically heard, well, hold on, isn't it when they gather together uh, for church services, that's when they're actually doing the drug deals at the back of the service and you know, all those sorts of things in prison. Isn't that what happens? Were these fair, fair income people actually wanting to show up or was this just a reason together? The, the, these were fair income people. Uh, they, look, there was people from all walks of life, but that wasn't happening. Uh, yeah. And, and I, we, made, we had made it clear that we're here to serve the Lord. Yeah. If you feel empty and you feel like you're looking for something, and it was open for all faiths. Uh, we even had Muslim brothers in there praying as well uh, and doing Bible readings. Yeah. It was open to everyone. Yeah, incredible. And so how long did this last for, this uh, sort of group of 800? So. Uh, it, it only stopped due to the coronavirus. Wow. Uh, and Christmas, we had a Christmas uh, uh, celebration uh, on Christmas that was organised. We had 250 prisoners turn up. They knocked uh, half the prison on the head. They said, there's about 580 prisoners at Marganite. Uh, they said, look, if we, we can't have the whole prison in one place, um, just in case something happened. But we ended up in that uh, recreation gym. We had uh, 250, roughly 250 prisoners. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That would have been something special, I'd imagine. Well, look, you know, we give thanks and praise to God for everything. You know, uh, we put it out there and, and, you know, God does the rest, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I understand if you can't necessarily mention people's names, but um, what sort of impact did it have on other prisoners and, and their life change? Well, well, every time we, uh, we, when we kicked it off, we were praying, you know, Father God, can you please bring people here? So from other prisons that know how to, uh, you know, to know the hymns and because we didn't know any hymns and that. We were actually using Metallica at one stage, Nothing Else Matters. Uh, <laughs> we played the CD, but we made it clear that nothing else matters but God. I uh, love that. I love we, it. We, we had a guy come out. Uh, his name was Elijah Salesui, another prisoner from, uh, from Paul Phillip. He'd come out and I'll tell you, he brought that many people and it just, he lifted the joint, and I tell you, praise the Lord. It was um, it was almost like something out of when you see uh, in the movies these uh, American churches where everyone's just going off. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely beautiful. incredible stuff. Um, so here we are. This is occurring. Uh, is your life continuing to to change as we go through this? Because I think there's times when. We can be involved in, in, in movements, as it were, but we don't change it. W- were you seeing yourself growing and changing and, and becoming a very different man from the man that you went into prison as? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, like I said to you before, I started to realise that, you know, even the battle for my children, um, I started to realise, you know what, nothing else matters. You must put God first. So I started to put God first uh, back from, from Barwon, back when I was in Barwon. And even more so, it got stronger that I moved on. And I started to see that all the things that I'd done before, uh, you know, uh, sort of just, it was all for nothing, basically all for nothing. But it shaped me to the person I am today, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what has occurred with your children? You've mentioned that a number of times. So when, when my children's mother had... Um, she had left, uh, she'd got on the drugs and that. And uh, this was another thing that hit me hard and I started to realise that even though I was selling drugs to someone, uh, I, you know, I, I might be selling it to a grown man, but it has a ripple effect. And I started to realise that, well, it's gone around and done a full 360 
and hit me directly in the heart, it's come into my home. Mm. So as much as I tried to leave it out of my home life, it came back. Yeah. You know, and that yeah. woke me up a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you get to see your children much, even, you know, in the detention center now? Yes, I, I, I do. Uh, I do a lot of FaceTime. I speak to my children quite quite often. I have eleven children, um, and uh, and they're all beautiful, uh, uh, lovely children that uh, that I talk to. We pray. Um, you know, uh, even my children are shocked that uh, that I've gone this way. Uh, you know, I used to send them to my parents' house on weekends to go to uh, Sunday school and and church and that. When they used to come back, they used to try and tell me stories, and I didn't want to listen. You know, but now when they talk to me, they go, oh, you used to tell us it was rubbish, Dad. And I said, well, <laughs> that was the old Dad. You know, I know what Yeah. <laughs> oh, so that's praise great. the Lord, you know. Absolutely. We're going to be back with Joey in just a couple of moments, time as we hear a bit more about uh, life now, uh, moving from this prison and now in a detention centre. And uh, how is his faith being shaped, even as he's going through this period of uncertainty right now? Uh, more with Joey in just a moment here on 89.9. The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light. You're in conversation with Clayton and Joey Tangaloa to to Ali. Oh, boy. So sorry, Joey. Uh, We almost got there. We we got close. Uh, Anyone who listens to this show for a while, mate, realises that I am terrible with people's names. Love chatting to people, but not great with their names. He's (laughs) joining me uh, for In Conversation this evening. And we are talking to him from the Broadmeadows Detention Centre. We've been hearing your story, Joey. Um, involved in bikey clubs, um, went to prison for, uh, you know, really trying, trying to plan somebody else's murder. Um, thankfully, as you said, didn't didn't go through with that act, but still went to prison for that. Have now left prison and find yourself in the detention centre um, because of a, a bit of a weird quirk. Uh, you came to Australia when you're three months old. Your parents uh, became Australian citizens the year after, and somehow you've missed that loop. And so right now, you know, that was back in the mid-70s, Right now, you're, you're stuck in a detention centre. Um, take us through what you actually have been told about what your future is, Joey, having gone through all of this and the change that you've had now too of following Jesus and, and encouraging people to, to be living the right sort of lifestyle. Um, you find yourself in this situation. Yeah, so basically where I'm at at the moment is uh, we're trying to organise an appeal to the High Court. Uh, I've lost uh, two federal court challenges. Um I have a lawyer, Mark Northam Lawyers from New South Wales, and uh, we're looking into that to, to the appeal. Uh, and where I'm at at the moment with my faith, my faith is strong. I'm, I'm trying to organise here a, a, a little service that we can do on Sundays. There's, there's no one really doing anything here. But uh, they're telling me due to coronavirus that we can't really do much. Uh, and, and my message to people is that, you know, what, what I've seen uh, and what I've found uh, is that, uh, you know, reach out, ask for help, pray, ask. You know, uh, we know the scripture says ask and, uh, you know, the door will be open, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you've just got to ask and, and pray to God and, you know, reach out. And if you think that a, a life of crime pays, it doesn't. It doesn't pay. Uh, I, I just thank God that I'm still alive. Uh, you know, prison for me was a blessing in disguise. Uh, I could have been doing 30 years. Or I could be dead. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, um, Joey, it, my understanding is that, you know, the reason that you're now in a detention centre and had this 
sort of permanent visa revoked is that they've said, I can't remember your exact words, but you're a, a violent offender. Is that what it was? Something like that? Yeah. So uh, after 2012, they brought in this, uh, we become a serious violent offender. Yep. Uh, so in 2012, I believe it was, or 14, Scott Morrison signed off that if you're a permanent resident, uh, they'll cancel your visa and you become under Section 501, mm -hmm. uh, which is, there are a lot of guys here that have been here similar to myself. Um, and, they, and they're all facing deportation. And as you know, it's, uh, you know, in the media, you see that people are being deported uh, all the time, yeah. you know, yeah. for these sort of things. So a serious violent offender. Um, my understanding, and certainly as I've been chatting to you today, that that, that has changed, that actually, you know, we, we often talk about prisons perhaps not doing what it's supposed to do, which is uh, have somebody come in and then reformed out the back. It seems like certainly your life and, and a whole lot of the various aspects that have, have shown in that, running various services and all sorts of things, that you have reformed it. Is that taken into account in regards to this serious violent offender, the the actual transformation that's occurred for you in these eight years? No, I, I, I don't think they, uh, it took, yeah, I, I don't think it mattered. It had, uh, it didn't really have much of an impact on, on the court cases. Um, but uh, look, I, I know we serve a big God and I still keep my faith and trust in God that if I'm not meant to stay and remain here in this country, then I know God has other plans. So yeah, I'll just leave it all in God's hands. Uh, we'll do our best to see how we go with with the, with the team, but uh, we'll, we'll leave it in God's hands. Yeah. Uh, Joey, that's a pretty big thing to say when you you know you've got eleven kids who presumably most of them are going to be staying here in this country. Um, th that's a that's a, a pretty a big statement to say. I'm actually still going to trust God in that. Yeah, because look, at the end of the day, God knows what's best for us. Like I say to people, I say sometimes when you pray for things. And you think it's not answered, but it's not happening because God has answered it. Maybe it's not best for you. Maybe I'm not meant to be in this country. Uh, maybe God has plans for me to go back to the island and, and, and start up a ministry there. But uh, wherever I go, I'll always be putting God first. And, um, yeah, definitely I, I have to just maintain the faith and trust. I know God has done wonderful things in my life. I, I may have nothing now material-wise, but I have everything. If that makes sense, yeah, yeah. And God has also given me a beautiful granddaughter, by the way. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that great, um, Joey? Uh, you know, your, your smile, your your joy in life. Many might say, "Look, I, I, I don't understand how it, it clearly does come from Jesus, and and that change that 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 life that you're living with him, even in the middle of a, a prison and now a detention centre as well." Um, tell us a little bit about life in the detention centre. We've been hearing a lot um, over the past number of years around detention centres generally, and, and you know, it doesn't tend to be the, the greatest of news. Um, with the coronavirus as well, how often are you allowed out of your, your room and, and the areas there? You're allowed, you, you're allowed out of your room uh, as often as you, as you like. Up until about two in the morning, they close the doors. So from two to five in the morning, the door, or two to six in the morning, the, the the doors are locked, so you can't go outside. Uh, we're allowed a mobile phone. Um, basically, really, it's just uh, when you when you come here, when I first come here, the morale is down. People are down. People are out. There are some Christian people here, and I've been telling them, look, if you're a Christian brother, stand up and let your light shine, you know. Mm. Bring that light out of, you know, underneath that bucket. Bring it out and let it shine. Um, 
you know, and as you understand, you know, people are going through things, which we all are, but for myself, I put God first and I know God has a plan for me. So I can't, uh, I, I just have to remain uh, strong and uh, and keep the faith. Yeah. Um, Jerry, uh, two sort of last questions and they're joined in a way. Um, for those who may be people of faith as well and, and uh, you know, say, look, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I consider you a brother, Joey, um, as we go through this. How, how can I pray for you? Um, I, I want, want to just wonder what you would say for them as they could pray for you now. And for somebody who's listening who doesn't consider they have a faith, you, your final message for them as well. So maybe what would what would you be saying to someone who'd love to pray for you at the moment? I'll just yeah, keep, I'll, I'll say, look, just keep keep the prayers coming. Pray that I get the opportunity to remain here. Um, you know, um, I, I have a lot to offer. I have a lot to, definitely have a lot to offer uh, and, and in turning people's lives around. Um, and just keep maintaining, uh, maintaining the trust and faith in God. Uh, always put God first. Things might not happen, but they don't happen for a reason. Uh, and as for those that, that don't believe, I tell you, uh, once you've found what I've found, uh, you're at ease, you have inner peace, and you know what, uh, you live day to day and just rely on God. Because at the end of the day, the ultimate goal is to make it to heaven. Yeah. You know, um, we've all been given the golden ticket. You've just got to hold on to it. Yeah, you know? there you go. <laughs> Joey, it's been just wonderful uh, having a chat to you. Thank you for sharing your story um, and being so open and honest about some of the really bad decisions that you made um, that led to some of the, the, the situations you found yourself in and, and also um, some of those incredible decisions and the understanding that there is a God who loves you no matter what's happened. And I think that's something I certainly take from your story that if someone's listening right now, maybe they're thinking, oh, no, I've... I've gone past it. Uh, God couldn't possibly love me. I, I think, Joey, you'd even acknowledge that, hey, uh, you know, if, if God's going to be able to love you through all of some of those choices you've made, that uh, he can love anybody in that regard. So I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth. No, no, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Joey, we thank you for your time. Really appreciate it again. No worries. Thank you very much. From the Broadmeadows Detention Centre, been having a chat to Joey Tangaloa. Tuali, and it's been wonderful to share a bit of his story. Uh, I just want to quickly give you our phone number now as well for the care line. Maybe something that Joey has said has challenged you. You thought, you know what, I want to explore. I want to change my life. I want to start making some good choices, or I want to understand a bit more about this God who loves me that Joey talks about. Uh, you can give them a call right now, 9583-2273, 9583-CARE, if you use the letter pad on your phone, 9583-CARE.